As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? You want to start? Yeah. <laughs> Hi. How's it going? Oh, good. Is it? Yeah. Well, I was the thing I was going to say yeah. to you before we started recording is um, I was listening to a friend on another podcast. Yeah. And one of the things she said, um, this thought that she had while she was in labor, it was Jackie Johnson. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to listen to that. Oh, my God. So she released this. Uh, episode of her podcast where she just talks about her her whole birth story and it is so beautiful and so hard and so intense like labor itself mm-hmm. um, but one of the things she says is that she, when she was just like you know very early stages of labor she had this playlist come on and she just got very emotional when her baby was still in her body just having the thought the realization that she was like my life is just so full of love and that made her cry and i was listening to it and driving and crying too and had to like text my husband and be like our life is so full of love oh my god that's so beautiful i mean what's it like i mean this kind of goes into hand in hand with the podcast like being a mom is it as hard as you thought it would be or harder or like, what are the challenges with it? Sorry, my hair's fucking... Let me just fix this. Insane. <laughs> Who cares? You are the cutest person ever. <laughs> like, when you are when you think your hair needs to be fixed, it's just more rock and roll and badass. Oh, God. Okay. Um, but, yeah, like, what is the... What did you... Is it what you thought it would be, I guess? No. No, no, no. I couldn't have imagined... I. I couldn't have imagined any part of it, the Mm. good or the hard. I couldn't have imagined it. I think I was honestly um, a little judgmental of moms before I had a kid, just because I was so ignorant. I couldn't understand, you know, if they talked about how hard it was, I would judge them for being like, um, I don't know, all sorts of things. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, you you sound a little selfish or you mm. sound like you're probably doing this wrong or you sound – and n- not that it was always like that because I have amazing friends who are moms that I was just like, you're fucking crushing this and this looks really hard and you're crushing this. But still, I think if somebody had told – if if pre-baby I had heard myself, I would judge myself. Mm. And um, so that's just one of the many ways that I have changed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, how how could you not? I mean, motherhood's, like, the most beautiful intent. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a mother. But, like, from my friends who are mothers, it's, like, how could – yeah, how could you possibly know what it's like until you do it? You can't. I thought that I would know based on, like, having a dog. And I do actually think that having a dog opens the chambers in your heart. Maybe having a cat, too. Like, opens the chambers in your heart – for love like Mm -hmm. pets can do that because you are practicing selflessness in a way and it is truly generous to take in another being and Mm -hmm. provide for it that is like an it's altruistic in a way however um it doesn't really come close to how i feel about my kid like um I just, I just think he's the greatest. I'm like so in love with him, and I'm, um, I think he's so funny and cute, and um, I, I, the the complicated thing is that I both want to spend all of every minute with him, and then I also am very grateful when I have time away. So it's like it's it's complicated, um, and I don't understand it, but. 
I know that I really like him and I know that I really like being a mom. Um, there's just so many things that I was unprepared for. Like I was unprepared for the time commitment. It sounds mm. so simple. Does that sound like obvious to you as somebody no. who's not a mom? No. <laughs> like I, I, I don't like I'm of the mindset where I'm like, I don't know if I would be a good mom or not. Like, did you ever feel like that before you had your baby? Like, were you like, I don't yeah. know if I can do this? Or yeah. were you always like gung-ho? Like, I'm going to have kids. Like, I want to have kids. Um, While I was pregnant, honestly, I didn't put too much thought into, like, should we or shouldn't we get pregnant? My husband and I were like, do you want to try one time? And then we got pregnant the first time. We wow. Tried. I think like that baby was just like knocking on my uterine walls being like, I'm ready to exist. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, it's, <laughs> we are just like those son of a bitches that got lucky on the first try. But I will say <clears throat> there was a time in my like second and third trimester where I was really freaking out about all of my childhood trauma and all of the ways that I um, feel like, and I say this with like all of the love in my heart for my mom who had me when she was 19 and then like two, a year later moved to a new country where she knew nobody and didn't speak the language and you know, all of, and all of the forgiveness that I have for both of my parents now. Um, but I think about all of the way that I might have been misparented or all of the ways that I would like to do things differently and the lack of resources they have. I mean, so many, so many things were piled up against them. I was just thinking about all of that and really, really afraid of repeating, you know, passing down some of those mistakes. And then in the very early stages when my baby was like one or two months old even it was very there was so many things that were super challenging and i found myself being incredibly patient like really really forgiving and patient and understanding with him and feeling like we're on the same team and he's totally an extension of me i think i was way less patient with myself mm. i was way like very frustrated with myself and judgmental of myself and mean to myself, but I was never that to him. <laughs> and, and my husband pointed it out. And, um, I think that gave me a lot of hope for my parenting style. Yeah. But there's so much room for improvement and we're, we're like, you know, down to take classes for parenting. We like, want to take we we have taken like couples retreats to try to like strengthen our relationship because sorry I'm totally rambling no now. this is what the, this is what it's about this is okay. literally the podcast you just interrupt me or like hold up just like hold up a pause no uh, I'm I, I I will keep us on time I'll keep us on topic but this is what the podcast is about so everything you're saying is like so valuable so interesting then thank you for sharing it couples okay. retreat let's hear about it well I was just gonna say that <clears throat> I grew up and I can actually hear my baby crying. I don't know if you can. Do you, yeah. Do you need to go like if you need to take a pause and like go do whatever, like it's totally fine. I can cut that out. Like I think I have like I have two hands on deck, three, four hands on deck over there who are allowing me to be here. Great. So um, I um, I was just going to say about the couples retreat that I grew up with my parents not getting along. And that was really hard, duh. Like if anybody sees their like, their pillars of safety fighting each other probably destabilizes your sense of security, your sense of self, your sense of home. And um, so I, one of the things that I think nobody gave us advice on, but now my husband has actually given other couples advice on is like, prioritize your relationship yeah is like really that that seems to be we are just better parents when our couple needs are being met when our individual needs are being met so how do you like how do you do that like how do you work on your connection with your partner during like when you also have a baby in the house um we mostly do it when he's asleep yeah sure 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 <laughs> Um, luckily, 
Oh, he's like coming into the room now. Hi, babe. Oh, sorry, there it is. We're looking for the bunny. It's urgent. Urgent. We need the bunny, we baby. Need... Can't sleep without the bunny. We need the bunny. Find the bunny. Find the fucking bunny. Um. No, I actually think one of the things is we never really cuss at each other. We never call each other names. I mean, I sometimes like will hold them close and be like, "Oh, why are you so stupid?" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's yeah. a little bit of my love language, and I've. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is how I say I love you. Um, my love language is like sweet, but a little mean. Like I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's all sweet. It just comes out sounding mean. It's not actually. No, it's not actually mean. No. Yeah. I relate. Like, I fucking love you so much. Yeah, crush like your jaw. Yeah. <laughs> I want to crush your bones into my bones. Yeah. I relate. I relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like, you know, you work, you have a kid, you have, you know, your life as a woman and as a human being, and you're also a wife. So it's just like, I think a lot of people struggle with, how to prioritize all those things and even like like do you plan date nights or like is do you just like reserve time uh to be together at the end of the night where like mm -hmm. you don't use phones or like like how do you do that like how do you carve out time it's a work in progress but um some things are just like very practical like we have a shared calendar like everything mm. we have is just shared so that we always know when like we need to hand off baby duties or like hey you're free this night i'm gonna or this day like i'm gonna schedule a call with our accountant on this day because i see that you're free mm. but like in terms of like taking care of each other we do try to always brush our teeth and go to sleep at the same time that's nice yeah, so while we're brushing our teeth, we do some gratitude stuff of, like, what was great today? What would you like to be different for tomorrow? Um, my, like, what would I like to be different for tomorrow is, like, I wish I'd drink more water today. It's, like, always so fucking simple. Um, and then one of the things we've been doing, actually, since, like, going on this couple's retreat is we're really trying to not give each other advice until we ask for it. That's huge. It's like very Al-Anon. It's very 12-step. Yeah, I was going like, to say it's very program. It's very program. Um, like we just keep asking questions about how that feels and have you felt this way before? And is there like a time in your childhood where you felt this way? Is this bringing up memories of anything else? Is there, um, you know, just all basically being each other's therapy session, trying to trying to let the other person process their thoughts before we're like, oh, don't think like that. Yes. Or, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Have you guys, I know you said like that's kind of new for you since the couple's retreat, but like the going to bed at the same time, brushing your teeth, gratitude stuff, was that always something you did or did that come with when you had the baby? The, the brushing our teeth and trying to go to bed at the same time has always been something that we've tried to do. Of course, there are times where like one person has to work late or something, but it's pretty rare that we don't, uh, even if one person has to work late, we're like, okay, well, let's just brush our teeth together. Yeah. That's and it's just nice. like an intimate thing that is just like, you're in a closed space together and you're both like clean. <laughs> I don't know. No, I love that. I love that. I haven't heard that before, but like that makes complete sense. And like, I, I it's such a good like a uh, ritual to have yeah. together you know I feel like rituals are super important as humans mm -hmm. and like we don't do them a lot it's like the rituals I can think of are like you know marriage funeral you know what I mean like they're sort of like that when and those are so rare and they're so rare <laughs> and so it's like how can we incorporate rituals as an individual and also like as a couple um so I think that's very cool um, we try to do um, like state of the union, state of the union meetings once a week. Mm. So we like, I think also what happens when you have a kid is that all of a sudden you become like a company, you become a corporation that has projects that you need to manage together. Whereas when we were two entities, even as we were married, we could take on projects alone. We could leave town for 
however long, you know, and now everything is a joint effort. We are really, really interlocked. So, um, I forgot where I was going with yeah. that point because I have mom brain. Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> Do you, uh, Oh, so state of the union is just like yes, a company yes. meeting. Okay. It's okay. a company meeting where we're like, okay, what is our schedule like for this week? What do you need from me? What do I need from you? And also it's an opportunity to sometimes talk about like to like regroup if you've had like a fight that week mm-hmm. to, to like be like, this is how I perceived that event. This is how you perceived that event. I didn't, you know, and then it's just like a moment to maybe clean up any ick. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of two separate things. The company meeting and then, like, the readdressing of feelings are separate things. But it is important. It is a ritual. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're so, like, conscious. You're such a conscious couple. Like, you're very, like, in tune with each other and, like, try to be, you know, like, actively make the choice to do that. And I feel like I don't know how common that is. Like, I, it should be. Like, it should be commonplace, you know. But, like, just putting, like, the thought around everything in your relationship and, like, addressing it and being, like, how does that make you feel? I feel like, like, that's just, I just think it's so rad. Um, Yeah. What are you and Casey like as a couple? Do you guys have rituals? Because Casey, like you, seems really emotionally intelligent and, Mm. like, kind and um the thing that i really love about casey (laughs) is that um i feel like he's really good at giving space for other people to be weirdos Mm, yeah absolutely like i feel safe being gross around him (laughs) totally he's a very he's very safe he's very dependable you know reliable um kind like he's all of those yeah like all of those things but like adding ritual is is something that like I'm for sure gonna bring up you know like that's just something that I haven't even thought about to be honest with you between like a couple like I have some for myself but like as a couple it could be like a very cool uh bonding element to add you know um you mentioned before avoiding passing down mistakes um, to your kid that you kind of went through or experienced. How do you ensure that, how do you ensure that, that you're, that you're not going to do that? I think you can't. Yeah. (laughs) But probably the, the grace that I give myself is like, well, the fact that you're thinking about it is so much, so much already. Mm -hmm. Um, And I try to give myself credit for that. Um, like, I know that I will not ever spank my kid. Right. That is just never going to happen. But for, like, my family, not that this, I don't consider myself, like, abused, probably because, like, spanking was just a part of the culture for me. Um, but I know that I'm never going to ever, ever, ever do that. So, it's just bringing consciousness to it. And then I think also doing my own healing, like being in therapy right. and being in the program and having really uh, important conversations with other people and with my partner. The other big thing is that I just chose a person who is down to do the work, who loves doing the work, who loves, like my husband wants to not, have music on during a road trip so that we can talk the entire time (laughs) so we could talk like he wants us to have a podcast that nobody listens to yeah 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 I I mean that's great like just being like so connected and in touch with like how you feel and how your partner feels I mean that's amazing um but yeah I was I was wondering if you do like individual therapy or like you know, what your own like personal journey with self-growth and um, self-love is so that you're able to pass that down to you, your kid. But it sounds like therapy and program are like. Pretty yeah, nice. my for me, it's it's therapy and program. My husband um, 
does a lot of um, meditation and uh, like has been in many like Buddhist courses. He doesn't consider himself a Buddhist, but he's really into practicing presence and practicing intention and spirituality. And um, I honestly, I think like sports is healing for him, like Mm -hmm. getting energy out of his body. He loves playing. Um, and, uh, also plant medicine, this is something I've never uh, talked about publicly, but like, um, uh, like psilocybin treatments and, mm. and things like that are something that we both participate in that makes us healthier and helps us address our trauma. Oh, that's incredible. I don't know much even about that, like process. Um, like it's, I probably don't know enough about it to speak on it. To sure, honest. sure. But well, you, you like can do, do an it, episode with him, and he'll... you do it like like on your own or like under like in a therapist's office or like. I... And we've done in like super uh, totally like supervised control environment. Wow, and you've cool. seen like you've seen like changes or like growth by For doing sure. that. Really, that's so sure. rad. Man, I would love. I would absolutely love to do that. Um, I was thinking. Give me the deets. What? Give me the deets. I'll give yeah, me yeah. the deets. I would. I would truly love that. Speaking about a little bit about like program stuff, like for me personally, I'm worried about when I have a kid or if I have a kid, being codependent with my kid, or mm-hmm. like, like loving that kid so much that like I don't want to not be around that kid like do you experience that ever or like is that really not a huge issue well it's hard for me to separate what is codependence which I definitely have and I'm working on and what is like maternal hormones right because like while I was nursing, especially, I could not imagine being away from him. Like, <laughs> I remember, uh, like, a bunch of mom friends and I were, like, planning a trip. And, like, two days before, I was, and the trip was, like, you know, like, 45 minutes out of town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was, like, we were all going to get a house together. And I was, like, oh, and I'm so excited for all of our kids to meet. And they were, like, oh, we're not bringing our kids. And I was like, oh, I can't imagine doing anything. But they were also, I think their kids were like two and four and five and seven. Like their their kids were getting to a place. I think you get your cup filled. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that lasts. Yeah. I think okay. there's definitely times where you're like, I can't imagine leaving my kid. And then there's a time where you're like, thank you so much for taking this kid. I'm going to skip town for the weekend. Right. Yeah. So I'm not... I'm not worried about that right now, especially also um, like I have left my son with my mom for the weekend a few times now and she loves it and he loves it. Mm -hmm. Like he's happy to be at her house. She has cats. There's a pool. Like I think of it as like an enriching experience for him Mm -hmm. (laughs) and an enriching experience for me that I get to sleep and rest or focus on my relationship or focus on work or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You spoke on like culture a little bit. Like, I don't know your background at all. Um, Like, what is your culture and like, how were you brought up? And were you, I think you said you were not born here. You were born. Okay. Tell me, just fill me in, fill me in. Cause I don't know. Okay. Um, I was born in Uzbekistan, um, which used to be a part of the Soviet Union. So um, my like grandparents and great grandparents arrived to Uzbekistan from other Soviet countries. And um, so I'm not like Uzbek by blood, but I guess I, my family had been there for generations. It's hard to say. Honestly, the thing about being a Jew from the Soviet Union is you're a little bit from everywhere and you don't get to choose where you're from. Mm. So um, that's that's where I was born. And then my family went through this immigration refugee process where we landed in L.A. And I grew up like in West Hollywood, like Santa Monica and Fairfax. And like how was growing up, you know, 
being all your entire family being uh in the united states like for the for the first time like first generation or whatever like was it difficult like what were the challenges around that um culturally i'm sure it's like different over there versus here and like how did that like sort of manifest for you as a child and then growing up I went to a school with a lot of other um like kids of immigrants Mm. so it was very normal um but there were some kids whose parents were more Americanized than mine and I was a little bit jealous of that like I was a little bit jealous of Um, Them just having parents who can help them with their homework was like a really big deal for me. Um, And I always felt a lot of pressure. And I think a lot of kids of immigrants feel this pressure to perform really well in school. And I wasn't like school was not my strong suit. And I was dyslexic and probably also had an undiagnosed ADD, still undiagnosed, still don't really know, but I know I'm dyslexic. Anyway, so that was never a thing that like, was culturally appropriate to diagnose mm. um um and like even now if i brought it up to my mom she'd be like no you don't you're fine right <laughs> yeah yeah um so i do remember wishing i was a little bit more american like some of the other students i remember when we had like a swim day like this is such a silly memory but it's so uh emotional for me is that like everyone had like like Disney cartoon characters on their towels. <laughs> and I had like the most like Soviet blanket, like <laughs> just like this fobby towel. And I was just like, I just want to be, a, I just want a Disney thing. I just, I didn't even care what Disney thing. I didn't even care about Disney. I just wanted to be a little bit more American. Yeah. You just wanted to feel like you fit in a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Did that last, that feeling of like wanting to fit in, you know, throughout elementary, middle school, high school, or did that fade as you got older? You ask such good questions. <laughs> Thanks. You really do. This is, this is such a generous thing that you're doing. It's oh. like, you're, I, I so appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you doing this for me. <laughs> Um, I no, think I appreciate good. you more. No, no, I appreciate you more. No, no you're you. hotter. No, you're no, hotter. You are hotter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it did change as I got older. Um, definitely by the time I was in high school, I was not interested in fitting in at all. Um, I. What do you like attribute actually, that to? Actually, even, even in middle school, I remember really not wanting to be a part of a clique. Like, I didn't want to have a group of friends. I wanted to have multiple friends um, that from different places. And I wanted to, like, be able to eat lunch with different people. And, like, I remember in seventh grade being like, y- you didn't eat lunch with us. So I don't know if you're a friend anymore. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in high school, I'm trying to figure it out. I think I, think I just, like, maybe liked, like, s- just some punkier things and rock music and just like thought that like not fitting in was actually the new cool mm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, was yeah. like I like this kind of grunge and then I also like dressing up like a pretty girl so I like all the things and I don't have to be one thing um and I did luckily find a very small group of friends in high school that um some of whom I'm still really close with one of them is like still my best friend and that um kept me grounded but still but they were also weirdos and like proud of being weirdos um and that I just didn't think it was ever about being cool you know like yeah uh, I I thought being cool sucked (laughs) but that's big because I feel like you know in adolescence a lot of the time we're like that's what we're trying to do is like fit in and be cool and be accepted um so the fact that like you were like "Mm, yeah no I'm not gonna do that is like pretty fucking rad Um, I also had a boyfriend I think mm. that really he shaped a lot of my maturing in in high school he was like two years older than me and um really like on his own path and um didn't care a lot about what other people thought but we really really loved each other and 
uh, I think he was a big influence for me. That's incredible. I, I really, really credit him with like me becoming myself in a lot of ways. Wow. I've, that's I've told him that now as an adult. Like, I was going to say, do you still talk? No, I saw him at a wedding like last year and he's married with a kid now as am I. So we just like showed, you know, shared pictures of our kids and we're just like, but I like told him and his wife, like yeah. how important he was to me as a kid. That's, that's amazing. I feel like my relationships were all like, I was like in drum circles because the guy <laughs> that I liked went to drum circles and I was like, oh, cool. Oh. I'll do that. You know what I mean? I totally did that too. <laughs> Uh, uh, so after high school, what, what did you do? What happened next? I dropped out of high school after 10th grade and okay. went to community college, which was awesome. So and... smart. You're just such a smart. <laughs> well, my, my, my boyfriend at the time did that. And so I just followed his footsteps and, uh, it was a great decision because, in college, in community college, there's just like so many people and they're all so different. I went to a school where there was a lot of like one kind of person. And then in college, I got to take different classes. I didn't have to do like just like math, English, geography, science. I just got to be like psychology and sociology and political science. And I feel like that's when I became a feminist. And that's when I started prioritizing mental health as a thing um, and just questioned things. Like taking sociology and psychology at the same time, I feel like just created a depth of thinking for me that I didn't have before at all. Yeah. Um, and helped me question and just the way things are so I probably became a lot more annoying to the people around me at that time but I think um it you know uh, made me someone that I was more proud of yeah I mean and that's I feel like is how we grow and change as individuals and as a and as a society is like questioning the status quo or like what's the current norm because we can't like evolve if we don't question that so like having that mm -hmm. early on as like a 10th grader is very cool <laughs> um when That's did cool. you find like the arts like when did you get into that I had been acting since I was very young like um when I was five oh shit my mom put me into acting classes because I was just a very talkative child so oh fuck I had no idea yeah and I would like do like barbie I'd go on commercial auditions and do barbie commercials and stuff and little TV things here and there. And then kind of stopped throughout middle school and high school. And then in college, I started doing theater again, um, just as like a way of having a creative outlet and as a way of being um, social. Because mm -hmm. I college was really depressing for me at first, like really lonely. Um, I only had like a few friends and, you know, they're new friends. So, um, and I'd always only had old friends mm -hmm. <laughs> and old friends are so powerful. I think that's like actually one of the biggest lessons of being in my thirties is like, you, it's really hard to make old friends. So, um, yeah. and how, how important it is to have people in your life who are happy for you. <laughs> yeah yeah so um anyway in college I just started doing theater and I and it was just a great thing to do like after work or between you know I was working at a restaurant just like between shifts I could go to rehearsal and um take uh this acting class or whatever and I never became a theater major but I did a bunch of plays and it was the first time I ever directed something I directed a short play and like a short play festival and I was like oh I really like what this does to my brain yeah it like I've only directed like a handful of like my own stuff you know but like the thing that's so rad about it is like you get to communicate with everybody from different like departments and use all of that creative knowledge like together as a team I think it's it's just so fun it's a totally different uh experience in acting obviously but it's like fulfilling in such a different way 
Um, is that when you decided like, oh, I, this is like the career I wanted? Or when was that moment? Um, I think so, actually. Oh, yes, I do remember there was a moment where I realized that that's what I want to do. Um, it was after, so after college, um, uh, there was this director that I had assisted. He was like a professional theater director that came into town to direct a play and I got to assist him and then he brought me on to another project he was working on in New York and then I got to like live a little bit of theater life in New York and I was like this is so fucking cool (laughs) and then that was done and I was like now just alone in the real world figuring out my thing and I in like a moment of panic, like I think it was actually a panic attack that I had maybe, or just like a moment of hysteria, not really sure. Um, I was like, I'm, a- I'm only happy when I'm writing, acting, or directing. And then I was like, oh. You know, it was just like a little bit of truth that slipped out. And I was like, okay, well then I guess I should get some headshots. <laughs> yes. I guess I should try. Um, And so I did, I like asked a friend who I knew was a manager to like start sending me out on auditions. And then I created a web series with my friend Stevie Nelson and that ended up doing great things for our careers. And um, yeah, Yeah. that's kind of how it started. Yeah, Uh, you created your own web series. So it's like, how much of that was because you wanted to you know get into the industry and how much was it because like you had to you have to create because that's just like who you are what a great question I think it's both yeah I think it's both I knew that it was like a um I knew that it would further my career Um, but also it was my favorite thing to do and I was obsessed with doing it and I would brag about doing it and like I loved talking about it I loved um, I ended up dating a bunch of people who were like editors at the time not even intentionally it's just like I was attracted to people who also wanted to stay up at all hours and edit (laughs) and um, it it was just my favorite thing so um, I also really look back on it as even though I I think it was a time where I worked really hard and I was really broke and um, I didn't have any sense of what my future would be. Like I didn't have any security in that way. Mm. I still look back on it as like that was a fucking amazing time in my life. Right. I love that because like sometimes now it's when you're like in it, when you're in the struggle of whatever your struggle is, whether it's like financial or a relationship career it's like hard to remember like oh I eventually am gonna think back to this and like might have a fond memory of it you know Mm. even though it's like a struggle so whenever like I'm in a hard moment I'm just like yeah but like in five ten years I'm gonna like look back on it and be like man that sucked but like it like made me who I am and that I wouldn't change it you know but it's hard to do that in the moment when you're like going through something it's true it's true. Parenting really like um, makes makes those kind of moments really evident too because you're seeing something like you're seeing time change right in front of you. Like, you know, before I had a kid, like who I was now and who I was a year ago could maybe sometimes wasn't so uh, distinctively different, mm. like so obviously different. Um, whereas now who I was a year ago was somebody who was like, uh, you know, breastfeeding and not sleeping and like having this tiny little newborn. And now who I am is like, I have a toddler who I like play with and go to the park. Like my, my whole schedule is different. My whole, um, priority set is, has shifted. So it's like, it is, it it does help to have that mindset of like, even when this is hard, I'm going to look back on it and miss it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Um, can you think of a time that you experienced um, either like a challenge or a low point um, and that that you are most proud of overcoming, whether that's like childhood or adulthood? Like, can you think of a time and you're like, man, I'm really proud that I that I like overcame that? Such a good question again. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You go first. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I recently, within the past two, three years, stopped talking to my father. And, you know, a lot of thought went into whether that is was a good idea to do or not, whether I was able to have a relationship that um, I could set boundaries with and hold those boundaries to keep myself safe. And, you know, being in program um, and just being in therapy for years at this point, I was like, you know what? I can't do that right now. Like, I can't create and hold this boundary that needs to be created. Mm-hmm. And if I have a relationship with this person who has wronged me in so many ways, um, I will give in. You know, I won't be able to hold that firm. I will give in and something else will happen that will crush me. Um, and I'm not strong enough to be able to hold that boundary yet. And so I was like, I just can't, I just can't have this person in my life. Um, and maybe one day I'll be strong enough to hold a boundary, but it's just a matter of like whether I want that or not, you know, like certain people, um, are just like not meant to be in your life. At least that's at, at one point or another or forever, um, and I'm finally coming to terms with like, that's okay. But I did kind of have to mourn the like, quote unquote, like death of a parent figure, um, and sit with that. And that completely changed me. And, and this was kind of all going around and, uh, all going down in like 2020. So like add to that, the isolation we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. I had a friend, uh, he was killed at 28 in 2020 So it's like Mm. all of this stuff was happening and not like I went to a Zoom funeral, you know, or it wasn't Mm. Zoom, but like a virtual funeral. Mm -hmm. Having to like process all of that in isolation is like very hard. But I've come out on the other side, uh, yes, a different person, but a um, more self-aware more uh I have more self-love and compassion um I'm stronger I'm braver it's like any challenge that comes at me I'm like oh if I could do this other thing Mm. this thing like easy Mm -hmm. um resilience I suppose and like grit are things that like I've cultivated over the years mm-hmm. um, that I wouldn't have if I didn't go through something like that. Mm-hmm. That was very long. No, this it's is not. not about me. This is about yes, you. it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's so much more interesting if it's about us. Please help me. Um, no, that was that is really that is really hard. And it's it's I- hard because like at least in our society now, I'm I'm interested to know like with your background and your culture like how uh family it like how important it is or how you know you 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 don't cut people out of your life whether they however they behave um I'm curious to know that but like for me it's just like so many people as well as just society as a whole is like well they're your parent you know they're your parent you gotta like forgive and you know move on to have them in your life and um I don't think that's true I don't think that's true either I think it can be Um, but I don't think it has to be true all the time. If someone, in my opinion, and like, you know, take it that for what it's worth, but it's like, if someone is unhealthy or is toxic for your mental health or your physical health, you know, just in general, whether they're a parent, a sibling, you know, whatever, you can set the boundary and it's okay if that boundary is no contact. That's just my thoughts. Hell yeah. I'm like, I'm like taking all that in. I think we live in a culture that um, normalizes self-sacrifice. Especially for women. Um, Yeah. It says it's really, it's, it's, it's good even 
for you to be taking the hit of this interaction? Like how brave and strong of you to continue this relationship with somebody that harms your soul? And um, I would like, and, and actually I would like to teach this to my kid is like to prioritize yourself because everywhere you go, there you are. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the fact that you um, it did that, it, it almost like might not even feel like prioritizing yourself because it was such a hard thing that you did to your existence, to your day to day. But it is really, really, really um, strong. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do feel like we are, um, as women and maybe as a society, but I can only speak from my perspective, uh, you just put it so well, like self-sacrifice. And it's like, you got to put others before yourself, you know, at least that's how I was raised. Mm -hmm, for sure, me too. And then it's like... And it was modeled for me. Yeah, totally. Oh, totally. Um, and so it's like breaking that like habit or that like neural pathway that has been created for years and years of like put others before you, put others before you. Breaking that's like really hard. Um, but worth it. Yeah, I went through a period where I didn't talk to my mom for a little bit intentionally um, and I was in therapy at the time and I feel like we almost needed that break to uh, like re-meet each other. Mm. Like there were so many patterns in our conversation that I was guilty of too that I almost needed to be like, let's take, let's pause, let's understand that this relationship to have a relationship with anybody is a privilege that is earned so let's come back to each other with the intent of appreciating each other with the intent of respecting each other and if we are not doing that i'm out again i i will not have a relationship with anybody where I am talked to in a certain way or I am um, dis my boundaries are disrespected in a certain way and even now I like have like, like it's a little bit of a joke that I have with my dad but um, we don't agree on a lot of politics and I'm just like if you're gonna say that person's name you have to leave the house you like you have to step out if you're if we're at my house you have to go outside you can say it but you, you can be outside yeah. And it's like, I literally will like shove him out the door and it's a, it's a joke. Like we're both laughing while it happens, but it is a way for me to be like, just so you know, this is not casual. Mm. This is not like a thing that we're going to throw around. You, I need to like light a sparkler every time my boundary is crossed. Have so you been like, uh, were you always good at setting boundaries or is this something like that you've had to learn? I for sure had to learn it and I'm still not I don't think I'm great at it yeah me either um but I do think I have always been um outspoken and mouthy and just like a big talker and that helps mm. because now I feel safer to be honest I'm still working on it all the time but I feel um unfulfilled in my heart if I keep things in um, and it's not, it makes me not diplomatic. It makes me not, um, like savvy, mm -hmm. <laughs> like in work environments, there are things that I definitely should just keep to myself that I don't. And I'm sure it makes me a pain in the ass sometimes, but I wouldn't feel like myself. I literally, it feels like it costs me something when I'm like, this is wrong. I have to say something. Um, yeah, or like sometimes just even a joke, you know, like sometimes I'm like, I have to joke, I have to, I have to joke about this person. I have to, oh, there's a joke in my mouth and I have to say it. It's like, it's, it's a sickness. <laughs> I like how you put that, like it, it costs you something, right? And then it's like managing whether or not you're willing to, you know, uh, accrue like that expense for lack of mm -hmm. a better term. It's like, am I willing mm -hmm. to 
have this affect me and like if so like how much mm-hmm. um and if not like move on type of thing but like that's mm-hmm. you have to be like aware of that you know whereas before i was just like operating from habit and mm-hmm. now it's like stop let's think about this for a second um yeah so i feel like therapy has helped so much in being self-aware i don't know if you feel like that and being with friends who like are supportive of your um integrity Mm, mm -hmm. like i think um i think i am in a group of people that first of all i think are so cool and i love um and i'm and i find myself attracting more of them and being attracted to them just naturally of people who really prioritize honesty and um and inclusion and uh like humor and you know i think honesty and love like above all else is probably like my whole spiritual practice and probably what i find most attractive in people mm-hmm. but but it it helps me remind myself to be myself yeah do you know what i mean yeah like, totally I see I see people practicing honesty all the time and it reminds me that that's like cool and important and like the only thing that actually keeps me on my spiritual path. Yeah. And I think like vulnerability goes hand in hand with honesty because it's like Exactly. Like, you know. Exactly. And so it's like at its core too it's like valuing when someone is vulnerable. Um Yeah, it's really hard. It's so hard. I feel like I I feel lucky in the fact that like I have a group of friends who also value vulnerability um, and maybe it comes with like being an artist. I don't know. Um, but to be able to have op- open, honest conversations that like are deep, that have depth is something that I value so much in friendship and I'm so lucky to have it, you know. It's the thing I want to, like, stay up till 2 a.m. doing. Me too. It's, like, why I think I'm put on this planet is, like, to connect with people and to help other people connect to each other and, like, the world around them. Um, oh, my God. Rebecca, that is a beautiful life purpose. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. That and, like, really good. I, like, can do it through my art. But, like, that's, you know, that's how I feel. But. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Are you, how is like how does um how, how do you find like vulnerability to be to show up in your relationships or like specifically in your in your marriage yeah I mean being <laughs> I feel like this is not about me I feel like I need to redirect this to make it about no, you <laughs> please please help me help me <laughs> well like being a codependent um I struggled for a long time with being uh, too open and vulnerable and sharing too much too soon as like n- not knowing this subconsciously though like when I was doing that it was like oh now they owe me something right because they were they listened to like a big part of who I am and like whether it was a trauma or whatever it was um, and subconsciously I guess I was like they'll stick around because now I've shared a huge part of myself with them. So I've actively had to like take a step back and be like, hold on, like trust is earned. Not Mm -hmm. everybody is worthy of my story. (gasps) Oh, fuck. (laughs) And let's take a minute to like, let's take time to develop this friendship, this relationship to make sure this person is worthy of my story. If that makes sense. Oh, fuck. Is your heart okay? Oh my god, it just hit so good and hard and ouch and it's true. And I think that's why it hurts. Mm-hmm. I think that's really a fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's big and it's like it's hard for me because I always want to share because I always want to connect with people, but I have to like make sure that the reason that I'm doing it is in line with my values. And, um, like for the right reasons and then like, be careful with my heart, you know, and it's not everybody's deserving of it. So. Oh my God. Oh my God. 
Do you have like uh, a set of values that you like? I guess you said love and honesty. I think love and honesty. I think honesty probably like above all else. Um, yeah, and like don't harm don't harm people and I I do have a sense of trust in the universe. But you know, it's just really the thing that I'm most hit by is I think I the thing that I need to learn and as as I'm like being like braggadocious about like I just tell my truth everywhere and you're like I am learning where to tell my truth I'm like oh fuck that's a really good lesson um that I don't I I have not like <laughs> reached that level in the video game where I acquire that skill <laughs> like um it's not easy you know it's definitely like everything like everything else it's like these skills take practice I don't even think anybody's ever told me that's a skill before this moment. Rebecca. I don't like, know that it is a I skill it, per se. It is. I think it is. I think it's a sense of it, it's emotionally intelligent or just basically intelligent. It's intelligent in every way to gauge which conversations and situations are re require your fucking mouth. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I recently did this podcast that, um, I just like opened my, my whole soul onto and it's just because I do that when I talk to a, to a person and I sometimes feel like having a, a platform means that I get to like help somebody who hears me talk. Mm -hmm. And, um, what happened was they cut out a lot of the things they said and kept a lot of the things I said. And it made, uh, it like distorted the conversation in a way where I was like, oh, I, and I had a gut that like, I shouldn't actually have done this podcast. And, um, and I was like, oh, wow, I was, that was not a safe place for me to talk about, um, my political views, my views on abortion, my upbringing, like, you know, I would, and I, and I'm, and it just happened recently. So I'm like a little bit hurt by it. And just, just you saying to me, like, not, not every, not every conversation needs to be that. Um, it's like, in one way, I'm like, yeah, duh. And in the other way, I'm like, I've never thought of that. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'm the same as you. Like, even in the first season. Oh, and just a little caveat. Like, I will send you this. Before, I would never air this without letting you first hear it and approve it. So let me just put get that. Which should the way. be basic common practice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but oh fuck me, now I don't remember. You're gonna say saying. first season. Oh yes, thank you. Um, like I bared my soul a ton of of this on this podcast because I think for me you know, I said like subconsciously it, it forces a a lasting connection. I mean, in quote unquote. Um, but also I was like, oh, if I share myself, like you will also be vulnerable. Right. And you'll feel comfortable to uh, uh, like share your truths. But that's kind of manipulative in a mm -hmm. way, you know, mm -hmm. and I never thought of it like that until recently. But I'm like, no, like, people need to you can create a safe space without telling everyone everything and, and being so vulnerable um you can still create that safe space for that person but allow them to come to sharing on their own time and on their own terms um but that's also something that I've recently learned and I truly knew nothing about until like program stuff manipulation is a big um important lesson for me that I learned I would say like oh maybe like six or seven years ago where I was like oh this where even I was able to define it and notice when I was doing it has helped me nip it in the butt of like that how would you define manipulation um Beha behaving in in a way to um, dictate an outcome 
really like be- behaving in a way to dictate and to determine to um, yeah to dictate an outcome f- for a situation right it's yes. like how, how, how can I behave so that I get the result that I want out of this yeah. conversation or connection or relationship or whatever um yes. that's how what about you I, w- I would say the same thing I'm mean, like for me it was about like how can I behave in a way to get you to behave in a way yeah which is like a controlling thing at least like that's how I talk about it like as a codependent it's like a one of like my um like traits as a as a codependent is like that need for control and it's like if I can uh make what I say determine how you behave and how you act uh you know that was where I felt safe um but that's like a control thing that I have to work on and a manipulation thing even though it's like done out of self-preservation and wanting to connect but it doesn't matter like it still needs to be on the other person's terms you know and like ultimately it's so much better because it's like let people behave how they want to behave and then you can determine whether or not that's a relationship you want to have in your life or not because it's not sustainable exactly. it's not sustainable to manipulate you know covertly or or not like it's not sustainable to manipulate somebody's behavior right we can only same is true vice versa we're like it's not sustainable for you to be a false version exactly in a relationship so if both people can be themselves that's kind of the only way it can last one thousand percent um learned that so late in life but um okay i appreciate you so much Thank you for being You're the here. the best. We should do this again tomorrow. <laughs> we should do this again tomorrow. Same time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just thank you for giving me your time and your oh voice. I appreciate you. I am such a huge fan of yours. <gasps> right back. I on. really, I feel so lucky that I got to work with you because I know how talented you are. Um, but then also it was like easy breezy on set connect with you because you're so dynamic and special and smart and gorgeous and I am really really grateful to be your friend and to be on your podcast oh my god that is so kind of you to say holy shit uh thanks that made my day Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest Milana Vintrub. Let's talk about what I learned. Okay, so first thing, the benefits of having a nightly check-in with your partner. Milana talked about how her and her husband brush their teeth together every night. No matter which one gets home later than the other, they make sure to have like a check-in at that point, which I really like. I like the idea of incorporating a ritual like that into your relationship Another thing she talked about is not giving your partner advice unless they ask for it. Um, She said instead of doing that, she asks questions and she's curious, but she doesn't give advice without him asking. I think that's a really smart decision and something that I need to be better about for sure. She talked about expanding the depth of thinking and questioning the way things are, which I relate to so much. She talked about having people in your life who are happy for you. She talked about prioritizing yourself, which seems, you know, easy when you hear it. But we talked a little bit about the pressure of self-sacrifice that our society puts on us, especially as women. Um, So trying to overcome the self-sacrifice mentality that society praises so much. We talked about learning how to set boundaries, which... It's so hard. I I know it comes easy and like naturally to some people, but a lot of the people that I've interviewed have talked about how difficult it is and what the learning curve is like and not knowing how to do that growing up. So I think a lot of us are struggling with learning how to set boundaries, but it's something that's so vital. We talked about learning to decipher how much things will emotionally cost you and whether or not you're willing to accrue that expense. I just kind of love that metaphor and talking about it that way. What is it going to cost you? And are you willing to accrue that expense? And sometimes we will be and sometimes we won't be. But taking a minute to sit with that and make that decision seems like it's really helpful for her in her life. So I'm for sure going to try it. She talked about her values of practicing honesty and love. And then we talked a little bit about 
sharing your story with people and that not everyone is deserving of your story and to be sure that you take the time to cultivate a trust between the other person before sharing. And that's not something either of us are used to doing, but something that I have absolutely been working on because I'm just used to sharing everything with everyone all the time. But that's not healthy or sustainable. So that's that's a big one that I'm working on. And then we talked about letting people behave the way they want to behave and then determining whether that's a relationship you want in your life or not. Instead of manipulating the situation to get them to behave how you want them to behave. So we spent a little time talking about manipulation and instead of trying to control the behavior of the other person, letting them behave how they want and deciding whether or not that's a person you want in your life. Thanks again for listening to this episode. You can find Milana on all the socials. Her Instagram handle is mintmilana, but I'm sure if you just Google her name, you will be able to see her handle for all of her socials. Thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday.